New Zealand-based home renovation company, 6,593% ROAS. Sydney-based solar company, 2,700% ROAS. Hunter region-based bathroom renovation company, 5,616% ROAS. Melbourne-based building company, 13,182% return on ad spend. Adelaide-based solar company, 2,881% return on ad spend. Guys, the list goes on and on. If you are a trade-based business and you work with projects like roofing, solar, bathroom renovations, kitchen renovations, anything like that, head across to tradey.wiki forward slash pod for podcast. Tradey.wiki forward slash pod for podcast. Book in a conversation. It is game changing. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SiteShed's Business Accelerator Program. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you fed up and sick and tired of having to depend on other people or other contractors to generate your own work for you? Do you ever just get completely confused with the whole lead generation scenario for your business? Or what about instances where people do come to your door, but they're not your ideal customer? How would you like to be able to generate qualified leads for your customers on demand? If you head across to the siteshed.com forward slash explode, you'll be able to get access to the free training that we've put together, which takes you through the step-by-step process in which we've been able to help clients generate some crazy results in their business. I'm talking results like 179 highly qualified leads within the space of up to 30 days. All this is very available to you and the training is free. So head across to the siteshed.com forward slash explode and you can check it out for yourself. Giving tradies and contractors around the globe the tools to run a modern business. You're listening to Toolbox Talks from the Site Shed. Now here's your host, Matt Jones. Hello listeners and welcome back to Toolbox Talks on the Site Shed. My name is Matt Jones and you are joining us for part three of the Grow the Perfect Business podcast series. In the previous episode, we were talking about personality profiling and all of the way that we've designed this series is that each episode will stem into the previous. So make sure you go back and check that out because that was really important. And we had world-renowned leadership consultant Peter Cox talking about different personality types and how to ascertain what your personality is and then as a result how to communicate with different people of different personalities. Go check that out. In this episode, we're talking about customer profiling. So we're talking about how to, you know, define your target market or, you know, create your customer avatar. And the reason why that is important is because it pretty much dictates all of your marketing and all of your content and the message and more or less everything. It pretty much steers the direction of your business. So it's a very important part of the planning process when you're talking about, okay, well, who is my customer and who am I going to be marketing my product to? So I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm joined on this Uh, episode by Greg Hamlin from Trades Coaching, who many of you listeners would have been familiar with from a couple of previous series that I've done with Greg. There was the How to Stop Competing on Price and Get Paid for Bids, Quotes and Proposals series, which was episode 85 right through to 87. And then there was episode 96 through to 98, which was How to Find Good Contractors and Team Members. They're both fantastic series that uh, we did with Greg. He's a very good business coach, specializes in trades and builders. Uh, So go back and check that out. Regardless, I'll have links to that within the show notes. Anyway, enjoy this podcast. Uh, let's dive right in. Greg Hamlin, welcome back to the site shed. Thank you for joining us. Problems at all, man. Good to be back. So, Greg, you're part of the, oh, I've got you down here as part of the Grow Your Perfect Business podcast series. Obviously, for for regular listeners, they would be familiar with your 
previous episodes that we that you've done on the show. We did a series, or oh, going back some time now, um, which was very good. We um, we dived into a lot of areas. However, your name jumped immediately in the front of my mind when we were talking when I was planning this part of the series out because uh, I know you do a lot of stuff in the space of customer profiling and defining target markets and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that you can join us today and shed some light on some of these areas. So thank you. No problem, sir. Good. For the listeners that have not heard Greg before, um, you can go back and check out the series we did. It was back in episode 85 right through to 87, uh, How to Stop Competing on Price. It was a really good series, and we, we dived in a lot of cool stuff there. Obviously, Greg, you, you do a lot of work in the space of coaching with trade-based organizations and builders um, especially. Um, so what we're talking about today is pretty much part of part of your process, isn't it? Like it's one of the steps that you go through. Yeah, so when we go through and we identify, it's really about identifying the target market or the, or the that's called the customer avatar. And that to really, um, once you can identify with them, then you can start and get your marketing right and get the rest of it right. It does it like having that clear distinction about who you want to work with, why you want to work with them, and um, and building that. Um, then you can build your marketing and, and everything else around it, uh, rather than yeah. trying to be. The old, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. So we, uh, in our process, we uh, go through and try to identify the clients quite, we get fairly focused on identifying clients so that way then they can actually, uh, you know, get to grow your business, you can become an expert in that sort of niche or that sort of area of your business. So. Yeah. This episode, Greg, actually is stemming on from the previous, which we went through personality profiling steps. So we went through, okay, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the DISC profile or the yes. Florence Litauer approach to personality profiling. Yeah, we use DISC, disc in our business. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, good. So I, the reason that I decided to place this episode up after the uh, the previous was if you can un- get a good understanding of your own personality types and get an understanding of the typical traits of personalities, then it does make it a lot easier to ascertain what your customers are. Yes, exactly. And so now we're sort of moving a little bit more into the customer side of things. However, I think primarily it's very important that you do have some sort of an understanding, even if it's a you know a base level. You don't necessarily have to go and read the book, but it's good to it is good to read the book. But uh, if you just understand some of the typical traits of personalities, then when you are communicating with other people, um, it makes your life a lot easier, and it certainly has had a huge impact on my life, and I'm sure of yours as well. Yeah, yeah. With, with the uh, understanding your customer, you, if you know their personality types, you can actually, uh, you know, you can read like if they're just like, a, if you feel like they're an angry person, well, that could be any reason because they could be a D person, yeah. D personality or a C personality. They're, they're more task focused where if you're an S personality or an I personality, you you, you know, you're more people focused. So it uh, becomes, uh, it's really good when you're in the uh, sales and marketing part of it. And we do a lot around sales and part of that becomes and part of the profiling becomes part of our sales process as well. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Cool. All right. So, all right. So, when we're talking about customer profiling and customer avatar and that kind of stuff, and you know, defining your target market, I mean, you touched on it just then, but it's something that I see very often. Obviously, with the you know the digital agency, with a lot of the websites and the marketing strategies you put together and stuff, a lot of people they do try to be too much to everyone, and they you know you know so many people come to us and you know with that whole mindset of oh i want to be number one on google for block drains or i want to be number one on google for plumbing sydney and this kind of thing 
which I suppose is fine if you've got capacity, but a lot of these people don't. So one of the things I really want to talk to you today about was, you know, just being like realistic with your target and there's nothing wrong. And I, and I harp on about this all the time in the podcast, but you know, if you can get good at niching yourself in a certain way, it certainly makes your marketing a lot easier because you can really almost become the expert in that area if you apply the right marketing strategies and you, know, you apply a good approach to it. So I'd just like to back up, I suppose, what you said there. You don't have to be everything to everyone. You know, you can, if you, if you can get really good at being, you know, really good at one area of your industry, your niche or, you know, whatever it is, then that will often put you in a better marketable position looking forward. Yeah. And the main reason why you need to really uh, get your avatar uh, or, or customer uh, your target market identified is, you know, when you start to do your marketing, you can waste a lot of marketing money on marketing if you don't know. If we use the um, the marketing triangle, which I'm sure you've heard of before, mm-hmm. which is, to, you know, identify your target market, get your message right to that target market and get the medium right to be able to get to them. And if any one of those are broken, your marketing will bomb. So, you know, when you define your customer, uh, who your customer is, you need to understand what the conversation's going on inside their head. And, and you know, not everybody really is a, a customer right away. That, and it's also important to understand that they're somewhere on the buyer's journey. Yep. And the buyer's journey is made up of, you know, future buyers, soon buyers and now buyers. And there's so much, uh, I suppose, opportunity lost because people don't understand the buyer's journey. But the idea of your marketing is put the person onto the buyer's journey so that you can, so you, you know, you can move them along and turn them into a customer. And, and people focus on that, um, you know, the now buyers, which really only make up 1% to 5% of the marketplace. But if you understand who your market is um, and who you're marketing to, then you can then drop them on the buyer's journey. Now, part of the, the thing you're talking about, niching there, uh, and I'm, I'm a big believer in niching, but I, I believe in niching your marketing first, then niche your business. Because a lot of people will go out and go, or a lot of consultants go, hey, you're going to niche your market, your, your business. And they then what you're doing is you, you, you say no to everything else that's coming in that's keeping the doors open and, yeah. and and saying yes to stuff that's there that's coming. But sometimes it might take a little bit of time to get things off the ground. And so depending on your, your skill set and that, and that's why we, we define the target market quite heavily is, you know, you want to look at things like, and we've got the document that we were talking about earlier, Matt, that uh, I'll, I'll put up to the, for the viewers to download if they want. And it's really is a sheet that we use with our um, private coaching clients around defining the target market. Yeah, cool. And one of the first steps is really identifying, you, you, you can be selfish here, you know, go back and look at, um, if you've been in business for a while, you'd be selfish and go back and look at the jobs that you've made money on. You know, look at the jobs that you've liked, uh, you know, the ones that you really enjoyed doing, um, the ones that you made money on, and, and you make a list of three to five of those. And, um, and from that um, <clears throat> list, uh, you then go through and just, um, you know, define which jobs ran smoothly, which ones were, the, were A-grade clients. What I mean by A-grade clients, the ones that paid on time, the ones that, you know, that um, they were a pleasure to work with, mm-hmm. um, not the not the ones that, you know, do variation. It depends on what you, whether you're a builder and that sort of stuff and they expect variations for free or the, they expect everything for nothing. You yep. really want to identify the ones that, that you enjoy doing with, you know. Yeah. The ones that made the most amount of money. And that's why I say be selfish. Now, if you haven't been in business and you're only starting out, well, then you've got to do it from a different 
perspective. They then start to look at it from a perspective of what would I like to do? What skill set have I got? Uh, who's the ideal target market that I'd like to work with? But again, all of this comes back to being able to get it so you can do your marketing and you, and you get a profitable business at the end of it. Yeah. Get your marketing right and, and build profitability. So, so just, um, to, just to recap as well for the listeners, um, we're following one of Greg's frameworks that he uses in his with his paid coaching clients. And um, <clears throat> this framework we will put in the uh, on the webpage in the notes section there. So you'll be actually be able to get in and, and use this. And Greg's got a whole bunch of really, really awesome um, material that he's got in that same package. So head across to the show notes and you can get hold of this document for nothing, which is a massive value add. So thank you very much for that, Greg, no, also. Yeah, no problems. No problems at all. But um, yeah, just keep going with that same flow. With it, with it, once you've actually identified who they are, uh, yep. the ones that you really like, what... Um, I mean, I do it myself in my own business. I've got uh, a list of people, what their ages, are, so the things like their age, their gender. Um, so it's really just starting to build that ideal customer profile. So um, okay, yeah, and getting their age, their gender, their marital status, the number of children. Now you may not use some of that information, but most of the information, if you can get it all down, you know what are their goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by goals and objectives, if they, if if they're you know, if you're, a, say, a renovation builder or a plumber that does, uh, like, higher-end, um, you might work with uh, builders or something like that, or you might work with um, domestic work and that sort of stuff, what does your client, what's your ideal client really look like? What's their goals? What's their objectives? And, and if it's domestic plumbing, you know, it can be domestic plumbing. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's, it's really about, okay, well, their problem is, you know, leaking taps or block sewer drains or could be electricians, any of those sort of things. But if you can find out what their goals, what their goals and objectives are, what do they want? You know, they want a hassle-free job. What are some of the things that you've heard in the in the marketplace, Matt? I suppose. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we've we've done you know customer profiling in the past, and of course, we go through you know that whole creating an avatar thing. However, typically, I think for the purpose of us doing this exercise with our clients, it's more it's more from a branding and marketing targeted point of view so we perhaps it's the same for you i'm not sure but um i I imagine you use the information uh, a lot more holistically throughout everything within the business coaching program whereas us we're sort of more specifically you know branding and marketing but you know we we like to know yeah like you say the age demographic or you know perhaps the you know what what for, for choice of a worst word you know, what what class of people are they you know are they are they extremely wealthy people are they retired are they you know are educated all this kind of stuff because then you know even from the design process like when we collaborate with our design team um that will affect you know the the type of logo that we might design you know like it might yeah. you know, the color schemes like everything may have have some sort of bearing on what that comes back at you know from their what they come back to us with as their ideal yeah customer avatar sort of thing. What, what I'm getting at is what are their goals and wants and what do they want? They want a website that attracts traffic and converts. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, it, it's, a, it's a funny it's a funny thing and it's a revelation that we've, it's a paradigm we've recently made a big shift towards. And actually, this is one of the reasons that this, this whole series came about was because we realized that, you know, typically people are not so much interested in the website. What they want is leads and they want mm-hmm. qualified lead acquisition. So yes, the website is the, is basically the number one foundational tool that you need in order to get that. However, having a website alone won't necessarily earn you these leads and won't get you qualified leads into your door. So you need a, some sort of marketing strategy behind that in order to, in order to achieve that, which is which is 
is where that our whole business accelerator program is is going to come into play of you know this year. So yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I'm getting at is you know you got to identify what the client actually wants, and mm. that's part of this exercise is going through and looking at your ideal customer. Like I was saying, you get their demographics out, you get their age. Uh, their marital status, their, uh, you know, let's go back to the construction industry side of things. You know, why would people want to do an extension on a home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you understand what their goal and objectives are, so what's their wants? They want to have an extension on the home. Why do they actually really want it? Right. And this is the thing, you know, uh, you go back and ask your clients. Uh, so if you've been working with clients before and these five or six people that you pick out that's going to be the ideal clients that you've worked with in the past, you can go back and actually ask them questions like, you know, do you mind if I ask why did you uh, uh, why did you want the extension? Um, well, we needed to put in a room on because, you know, Johnny and Sarah were, were sharing rooms together. Okay, so why was that a major problem for you? Well, Johnny and Sarah, they, you know, they were starting to fight and Johnny's getting to an age where, you know, they, they, they shouldn't be sharing their rooms with brothers and sisters, so that's why we decided to... To do that, or you know, whatever the reason might be, but if you can find their actual why, uh, then you can start and build your marketing material, and you can start and build. You know, you start to understand the conversation that's going on inside their head. Yeah. And then the next part becomes the challenges and pain points. Yes. You know, so for what's their challenges and pain points? What are their frustrations uh, and their fears? Now, again, construction industry and plumbers and uh, electricians and the construction industry in general, what are some of the general general frustrations that people have with uh, with the trades industry in, in general? So you've got the things like not turning up, not returning phone calls, not doing, you know, uh, not professional in the way they do things, that sort of stuff. And, and this is where if you can identify your target market as who's the ideal person that's like, let's say, uh, you know, I mean, it costs as much to work with a, a high-end client as it does with a low-end client. So you're better off going, in my opinion, going for the low-hanging fruit, the the, the better clients. Mm-hmm. And so what are that? What's that better client's frustration? You know. So if you can identify them, their frustrations, and then solve their problem in your marketing or your process, and that's what this whole objective is: to be able to look at this and say, okay, it's not just your marketing. It's okay. Well, I'm going to provide a better product because I want to work with this type of client. I want to work with more of. John rather than more of Denny sort of thing, more of whoever. Yep. So, you know, I want to do 10 times. If I work with more of him, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to come off. I'm going to end my days happier. I'm going to have more time. I'm going to have more freedom. If I do all of these little, it's the 80-20 rule. You end up with, yeah. you know, 80% of your problems come from, you know. 20% of your customers. Yeah, 20% of customers. But, yeah. but you know, on the other side, the um, 80% of your money comes from the other 20% of your customers that are good customers. So yeah. so that's that 80-20 rule thing. So so really understanding what their problem is. And if you understand what their problem is, it's been said that if you can un- if you can clearly articulate their problem better than, them, than, than mm. what they can, you become the expert in the field. Yeah. So understanding those sort of things is just challenges and pains one of the exercises i've done in the past well actually i I still do it with um with with new clients we we go through a uh like a table more or less where in the first column we'll have the the pain points so you know what are the actual pain points they're having you know their sewers overflowing their there's their kids are fighting because there's enough room in the bedroom or whatever it might be right and then in the final column there's the result after that's finished so 
like what are they feeling after that has been solved you know there's they, they can they can comfortably entertain guests knowing that there's no problems with their drainage they can you know the house is sanitary or you know the children are happy mm-hmm. and getting along better than they ever have been etc and then in the columns in between are basically the steps that you can take as the business as the solution provider along the way in order to get them from point a to point b so it basically takes them th- through that scale and all along the way you can contribute on how you may be able to solve that problem. Is that, yeah. have you ever seen that before? Yeah, yeah, exactly the same process. One of the processes we use is like if you identify the problem, what's the actual outcome they're looking for? And that's what I'm saying here is basically what's, what is it when you're looking back at the goals and objections uh, in that part of the worksheet, it's really looking uh, at what they actually want. Uh, what's, you know, uh, they don't want, do they want a, uh, an extension on their house? Yeah. Uh, no, they want the, the the comfort to know that Johnny and Sarah, or whatever the names were I used before, are going to have the com- their, their own room. Yeah. Or, you know, they want to be able to go. Um, it's a bit like you, you, what I say to my clients is, you know, you, you really want to look at what their pain is and take that pain away for him because if you can take that pain away for them, they'll pay a lot of money for for that. They'll pay you what you what you what you're worth if you can take the pain away from them and show them how you can take the pain away from them. Yep. You're there you're, you're there to provide the solution. But at the other, the other side of it, you end up selling the dream and, and um sales is, we won't get too far into sales, but sales is really eighty percent emotion, twenty percent logic. Yeah. You know, not everybody wants you know, you go out and buy the nice red Ferrari and the guys in there going, Okay, I bought got got this because you know I've got my army out the door and picking up chicks and all that sort of stuff, you know, and then he's got to go home and justify it to his wife and say, yeah, I bought it because we can get from A to B so much quicker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so th- and that's what the sale, emotion is, is part of the sales. <laughs> You're not speaking from experience, are you? Greg? <laughs> no, no, not quite. But <laughs> Seems like you know a lot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've seen it once or twice before. <laughs> couple of clients with good cars. And I noticed in, in the third step there, Greg, um, you've – Talked about understanding geographic location, which I would say would be relevant to probably 95% of our listeners out there, understanding that that is very important, especially from a marketing perspective, because you can, I certainly see a lot of companies waste a lot of money advertising in areas that is completely not serviceable. <laughs> um, talk yeah, it's exactly bit. right. I've, I've actually had um, I actually had a, a person I was talking to the other day, he's a prospect, he's over in Western Australia, they're in a, in a country town, a couple of hours from Perth, and um you know, he's won this uh, this really big award for the Master Builders Association and that, a prestige award and all that sort of stuff. Uh, hasn't had a job in nearly 12 months in that area. And I asked him the question, I said, look, is there any of that type of work in his area? And he said, well, we don't see any of it. And I'm going, well, you're in the niche that <laughs> there's no work. Why? You know, yeah. you're going to have to change your niche because, you know, you can stand there and say, yeah, we do prestige multi-million dollar homes, but they're only selling $200,000, $300,000 homes. Right. And it's more project-style building. You know, occasionally you might pick one up, but if there's if that type of work's not there, it's pointless. And and so in that uh, third step, it's really identifying. You know, it's great to have a niche that you're going to work with, but if there's if there's no sustainability in it, in that geographical location, then it's pointless. Oh, okay. I, I actually, yeah, I misunderstood that. To be honest with you, I, I I thought you were talking more about just you know knowing knowing how to target your marketing towards a geographic location, but that does make a lot of sense. You've got to really validate your product, service, niche, vertical, whatever, within that given location, provided there's actually a need for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's two there's two sides to the coin. You can have the you, you really do need to validate it. Uh, there's two sides to the coin. Understand where you're going to market in the first place, and it's part of the the third leg of the the marketing triangle. Mm-hmm. Understanding who and what and how you're going to get to them. 
but then uh, really making sure that there's enough money in there. A good example of that is uh, Adam Power from Powerbuilt uh, years ago when we were working together on prestige homes. He was doing second or third home builds, uh-huh. and it was in the Camden area. And when I first started with him, I'm going, Camden, will people buy out there? So my judgment of Camden was a little bit different to what it what his was, mm-hmm. and I'm going, really, is there is there many people there? And he's going, mate, you should see what's here. And so basically he changed my perspective because my, uh, I suppose my perspective was I'm an outsider looking at, mate, I wouldn't move to Camden. That's really yeah, you know, <laughs> my judgment. But he was in the, in the months, the mix of it, and he went out and, and did some research, and there was plenty of people there wanting to do second or third home builds. So I was yeah. quite happy to live out there and travel, commute to Sydney. And so he, like I said, he, he actually – well, quadrupled his business in less than 18 months because he started to target. He knew who his target market was. He knew who that was. He knew there was plenty of work in that area. He then identified with them. So in his case, he was looking for the people that, you know, when he was uh, when he first did his first one, um, it was uh, people that were actually in IT industry. And so his the husband was in IT. Um, the wife was uh, in banking. Um, the they had two kids, but they were teenage kids. Uh, they'd been through a first home build, so that's what he one of his criteria was whether they had been through a first home build before. So they'd been through a first home build, and um, and they wanted a better, they wanted less hassles, and they wanted a better things like movie rooms and all those sort of things. They he was starting to put in there and automation and that sort of stuff because yeah. that was his target market. And because he became the the professional in that area, uh, for that he was able to charge more for it. Yeah, wow. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, and that just, I suppose for the listeners out there, that really, but that's a pretty good example of some heavy, heavy, um, uh, like defining your customer avatar. Like when you're talking about, you know, the job of your job, the, what in, industry they're in and what industry their wives are in and how old the children are, this kind of stuff. I mean, where, where do you, where do you stop with this stuff? Or is there no real boundary? It's just a matter of the more information, the better kind of thing. The more information, the better, because if you can find out. So one of the things that uh, Adam found out was that these people. So what he did, he actually took photos of both of them and had the husband and wife and who was who actually who was involved in the sale, like the like who were the people's roles in the sale. Now he knew that the wife was really actually the decision maker. Uh, he knew that for, for sure, you know, because he has one clearly. <laughs> yeah, because he has one in the first. <laughs> yeah, that's probably part of it. But the wife was a decision maker and. But so he knew he had to have both of them there at, at any meetings he had. But he knew that the guy was into golfing, and and that helped build a little bit of rapport. So so again, just identifying things to be able to help build rapport and build their relationship and build confidence in the work that he did. And that's that's why it's good to find out that information. Okay. And and just I mean, you don't have to go in and with a, a notepad and go, hey, do you do this? Do you do that? Do mm. you do that? It's not, that's not the style of thing. You do it conversationally. You mm. work out who they are, how old they are. You know. You, you take notes about the kids and all that sort of stuff. But that's the biggest thing, I suppose, is once you do that first call, try to get as much information as you can so you can identify them, identify with them as much as you can. And he did a sur- he did surveys back through his clients, so that's why he got a lot more of the information. Okay. And I suppose, like, with, with that information at hand as well, if you use that information in your marketing, it will typically mean that you attract that type of customer. So, you know, you... You've got a better chance of qualifying that person, you know, before they get to you. So they are, they do kind of suit that profile. So that's also important. Okay. Now getting towards the end of this, Greg, I just wanted to ask just in relation to what we were just talking about. So, okay, we put all these customer profiles in place and, you know, we've got this avatar set and we have, you know, five, 10 customers that come to us, you know, in the next couple of months. However, five of them don't exactly suit our avatar. What does that mean? Do we flick them? 
depends on um, how far out they are. Uh, can they be so? Can they be uh, an A grade, B grade, or C? So if they're a C or D grade client, you flick them. You just uh, if they're something that's that's not doing anything. This is where I was saying about niching your marketing, and this is where you uh, and don't niche your business. If you're looking desperate for work and you need work, well then you kind of take anything that can, can fog a mirror and it's got a pulse, not necessarily <laughs> in that order, <laughs> right? Because you've got to make money at the end of the day. But I mean, I've seen people where they've just taken the client and they've gone, I know this, I need the money, and I know these are going to be a pain in the backside. I know, and that I know, and then, and then you know, three months later, I come in and I'm sitting there and going. Why have you got them on? It's, it's become a problem for you. Yeah. And so in my opinion, you're better off not going the D-grade clients. You're better off not taking the avatar. If you can then – if they're not your ideal prospect and you don't need the work desperately, I would palm them off to potentially um, – what I tend to do is like if, if – let's say it's a, a build a – you're a builder that does new building or mm-hmm. you're a plumber that does engineering. Mm-hmm. Right, and you get a domestic. So let's do the plumber because that's probably more related to uh, your audience. I think, isn't it? I'm not sure, but yeah, yes and no. <laughs> yep. Okay, fair enough. But let's say the engineering plumber. Engineering plumber gets a lead, but it's a domestic plumbing job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're better off getting a relationship with right. somebody that does domestic plumbing work and give them to them. Yes. Rather yeah. than you doing the engineering work. What's the whole objective is you become the go-to person for your niche, right. or the expert in your niche. And that's what I was saying about being paid more and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if, if you are starting out and you do need that person that can fog a mirror or got a pulse, then then you've really got to make a good judgment call about, okay, <laughs> it, it becomes a tough call when, it, when you're just starting out. Oh, man, it does. You've got to and, kiss and a few frogs. Yeah, that's right. And we're, look, we've all been there. I mean, I've been in that situation as well, you know, where you just, you know, you need to take, you need to work, so you take the job knowing that it's going to be a pain in the mm-hmm. butt. And um, I think it's all part of the learning experience as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And, you, and once you get once you get to a certain point, then you can say no to some of that stuff. Yes. And you can go, okay, right, now now I'm going to make money. Now yep. I can focus on, on, it's not just the money. Now I can have a bit of lifestyle. So you can actually build a business rather than just having what feels like an underpaid job by just racing after everybody that's out there. Yeah. You then start to build something that you're known for, you become the expert for. And once you're doing the same thing over and over again, you might get bored with it. But if you've got a good, solid, structured business around one potential niche, then you know you can build systems easier for it. You can build marketing easier for it. You can, yes. So it's a whole, whole heap of it, it just makes the business so much easier to, to, to grow uh, and, and um yeah, and that's what a lot of the guys, like I said, Adam, you know, uh, quadrupled his business less than 15 months and um, and uh, because he focused on one niche and became the expert in that niche and became the go-to person. Sounds like he did a good job as well in researching. So he actually took the time to, you know, explore what he thought was a good idea and made sure that it was a good idea before he invested everything into it. So I think that's another that, yeah, good credit to him. Yeah, it's a takeaway because, I mean, I've got um, Preston's down in um, Kangaroo Valley. They did exactly the same sort of thing for rural blocks. They do rural rural home builds for people coming out of Sydney. Okay. Uh, to yep. do exactly the same thing. They made more in six months than they were made in bloody five years before him. Yeah, right. All right. Beautiful. Well, look, I think we'll wrap that up there, Greg. Um, thank you very much for your time. And for the listeners, uh, once again, uh, if you head across to the show notes, you'll be able to get hold of that framework of Greg's, which I thoroughly encourage you to do because it's really a step-by-step blueprint of how to approach this area of business. So, Greg, thank you very much. No at all. And um, for the listeners, stay tuned. We will be back with a upcoming episode, which is going to be talking about defining your offer. So um, stay tuned for that one. Thank you once again, Greg, and we'll speak soon. Good on you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Toolbox Talks. If you're liking what you hear, then you can head across to the siteshed.com where you can join our community by signing up to our Toolbox Talks. Uh, You'll get sent a weekly notification, which is basically a highlight of everything that we've spoken about during that week, along with any other industry news that may be relevant or specific to the trades. If you're enjoying the show, you can head across to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud where you can leave us a review. Uh, That would be fantastic, and all the reviews get read out in the show. Uh, Likewise, if you have any friends or colleagues that you think would benefit from the show and the, the episodes that we create, then please go ahead and share it with them. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please, if you did, head across to iTunes and leave us a review. We would very much appreciate that. Anyway, if you are a project-based trade business and you work in solar or bathroom renovations or kitchen renovations or roofing or something along those lines, and you would like to see some of the results that we've been showcasing in our marketing on for your business, thousands of percent return on ad spend, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 13,000% return on ad spend, please head across to tradey.wiki forward slash pod for podcast. That's tradey.wiki forward slash pod for podcast. It will be well worth the conversation and I can't wait to chat with you. Ciao.